Cast Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- put that in. I don't. So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball, and from the baseball angle, I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, he is out. He's out. Yes, Brady is out. Look at, look at this. Brady is out. And uh, team is mad. I don't want to hear to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been run cleaner than any baseball business ever put out in the hundred years of the present time. Sell the team. Oh, yeah. Good morning to you. Of course, this is past ball show right here on the MTR Radio Network. John Pielli taking you through the next couple hours where we'll do nothing but uh, do a couple baseball interviews, get into stuff going on in Major League Baseball, historical, conventional, and always a reminder, if you want to uh, tweet at me at John underscore Pielli. We've had some very good conversations in regards to stuff going on in the game. And I haven't held back in regards to anything that I feel about stuff that goes on in Major League Baseball. We've talked about bunning. We've talked about the role of a manager and what it really means to have a good manager or what a good manager is for that matter. We've talked obviously about instant replay and a ton of other different things. And if you want to continue this conversation, like I said, uh, tweet at me at John underscore PLE. We keep this program interactive. A couple things I did want to hit on before we get into our weekly interviews, which we have every week here. Today I'll be speaking with a couple of guys. Willie Montanez, former first baseman outfielder, played with several different teams, came up with the Phillies, played for the Mets, the Giants, a couple other teams. Uh, prospect in a Kansas City Royals organization named Ethan Chapman, and he's 23 years old. We talk about him being drafted and his rise and, you know, a guy that you may see in the major league soon. And then in the second hour, we're going to speak with the all-time winningest pitcher in the history of the Montreal Expos organization. And obviously, nobody's ever going to win another game for the Montreal Expos. And that, of course, is Steve Rogers. So he'll join the program with a little bit of an extended interview in the second part of this show. But couple different things I want to get into. We'll talk about the pennant races a little later, but as we get towards this season, uh, you know, you got the 10 or so teams that are going to be in the playoffs, and obviously their dreams, their aspirations, everything involved with them is focused on what they're going to do in the postseason. If you win a division, you want to see how far you can go, get to the World Series, perhaps win a World Series. And if you made it in as a wild card, you got, you know, this, you know a little bit of a stack against you, but you, you still get a chance to play that one-game play-in game. And obviously, once you get to the division series, obviously anything could happen. You've seen several times that wild-card teams have gone out there and won the World Series. Of course, the Florida Marlins, who, of course, are now the Miami Marlins, uh, never won a division title. They've never won a National League Eastern Division title, but two times they won the wild-card, ended up winning a World Series. 
I, I'm very anxious to see if a team that wins that one game playing, obviously we're only in year two, when that's going to happen. Because it's going to be a matter of time before that team wins the World Series. One thing we've always gotten into is the fact that it's not always the best team constructed that goes into the postseason. And if you want to say the best team constructed going into the postseason this year, you would probably favor the Detroit Tigers. You would probably favor the Los Angeles Dodgers as far as the best constructed teams and the most talented teams in Major League Baseball. But it never works out that way. And I'm very anxious to see as we get set for the play-in games. And, you know, you have, you have St. Louis who's about to, uh, you know, maybe win their division title. They got to win a couple games to assure themselves of it. They got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati right up there behind. You know the Braves and you know the Dodgers are going to be in the American League. The division races are done. You know about the athletics. You know about the Red Sox. You know about the Detroit Tigers. The wild card race is going to be a little more interesting as we get towards the end of the week. And obviously by the time the show comes on, it might already be decided. But you got teams like the Rays and the Indians and, and the Rangers who really seems at this point to be three teams battling for two spots. Now the Orioles, maybe they have a chance. Maybe the Yankees win every game and get some help. But more than likely, the postseason is going to consist in regards to the AL wild card of either the Rays, the Indians, or the Rangers. Two of those three teams will be in, one will be out. But, you know, what I did want to get into is a couple different things going on because the rest of the teams in Major League Baseball, and unless, you know, you know, the rest of the National League is set. You got you got five teams that are in there. You got the other ten teams who know they're not going to the postseason this year. The American League, yes, it's a little more open. There are a couple teams that are going to fight possibly until the last day, last day of the season to get in for that wild card spot. But the rest of the teams are all focused on next year. And as we get in, we start to think, what does the free agent crop look like going into the next season? What type of moves are a lot of these these teams are going to end up doing? And and we talk about closers in Major League Baseball, and you talk about their value to a team. And, you know, one thing that I always found interesting about it, we talk about the great Mariano Rivera and how he's hanging it up and the ceremony they had for him at Yankee Stadium last Sunday and how, you know, how, how kind of moving it was. You see that one of the greatest, the greatest relief pitcher in the history of the game, knowing that he's probably pitching his last game at Yankee Stadium as the Yankees are probably not making the playoffs. You know, you get to honor the guy. You get to realize that this guy really was the best at what he ever did. And you talk about other closers in Major League Baseball. There have been very good ones. Uh, Jonathan Papelbon has gotten a job done. I know he's struggled a little bit lately, but a Joe Nathan has put up some great numbers. You look at two of the probably two of the best right now are Craig Kimbrell of the Atlanta Braves and Aroldis Chapman of the Cincinnati Reds. But let's be honest, you look at the, the position of closer, the guy that comes in in the ninth inning, expected to throw gas, get those last three outs. The rest of it in Major League Baseball is pretty much wide open. You could talk about some guys that have done good. Greg Holland's done a phenomenal job for the Kansas City Royals this year. Looks like he's established himself as a closer, a guy that's not going anywhere. You could talk about a guy like, uh, you know, in San Francisco, a Sergio Romo, perhaps a Washington with a Rafael Soriano. You know, you look at some other teams and you say, hey, they got a guy. St. Louis has got Edwin Mejica. Uh, of course, uh, you look at Pittsburgh and a healthy Jason Grilly or Mark Melanson. You know, those are guys you could depend on to go in there and get the job done. But the honest part of this whole thing is the fact that it varies from year to year. And the guys that are going to be good this year may not be, be so next year. And it's, you look at a guy like Francisco Rodney, 
of the Tampa Bay Rays, who had a phenomenal season. And I've written about it. We talked about the comparison between the season that Rodney had last year for the Rays and Dennis Eckersley's best season, where they both pitched to about the same ERA. They, you know, they didn't give up a lot of runs or hits and were that damn dominant. But look at Rodney this year. He has not been anywhere near as good as he was last year. And you're taking a chance when you bring in a guy to pitch that ninth inning. You would like to try to develop him yourself like the Mets have done with a Bobby Parnell. And you look at a couple other teams that have done the same thing, bringing in a young guy, giving him a chance, and you see what ends up happening. Think of Brian Wilson with the Giants. He ended up emerging as a top closer, came out of the San Francisco Giants system. But most teams in Major League Baseball could probably – are probably aren't sure about what their closer is going to do next season. And two guys that are going to hit the free agent market that are going to be very interesting to see where they end up are Grant Balfour of the Oakland Athletics and Joaquin Benoit of the Detroit Tigers. And they both have similar yet different stories. You look at the fact that both of these guys uh, really emerged and got their three-year contract that they just signed. And both are both signed three-year contracts at the same time. Both, obviously, are going to become free agents at the end of their free agent contract when it ends this season. But both emerged with a solid season with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2010. They both came out there and put up some very good numbers You know, in a year that they ended up becoming a free agent. Now, Balfour put up some good numbers, got himself a three-year contract for $12.25 million with the Oakland Athletics, and has run with it within the last year or two. He's emerged himself as a closer for the Oakland Athletics. This year, uh, as of the time I wrote this article on Bases Empty blog, also check me out at mtrmedia.com slash John Pielli, uh, you know, is 1-3, 272 ERA in 62 games, 38 saves this year, 59 and two-thirds innings, 66 Ks. At that, those are closer numbers, and this is a guy that's going to be sought after by a lot of teams in the offseason, and we talk about Moneyball and, you know, in the days where, you know, Moneyball the movie is, is quite an age old right now, and, you know, you look at the dynamics of the movie and you talk about how Billy Bean has implemented the Moneyball philosophy and everything, odds are he's going to be looking for a guy like Grant Balfour, a guy that may be on the rise that they may be able to maximize the value of as opposed to bringing Grant Balfour back for the amount of money that he's going to command, which makes him a free agent and means that there is a team that's going to go out there and pay that extra money. And I'm not so concerned about the amount of money that a guy like Grant Balfour is going to receive this offseason because he deserves to get paid somewhere probably in the 8 to $10 million range. But the problem I have is there's going to be a team that's going to go out there and offer and give him a three-year contract. And the issue I have with it is the fact that he's 36 years old before next opening day. And you're going to pay him for age 36, 37, and 38. I think it's unlikely you're going to get numbers that are similar to what you've seen this season. And Grant Balfour is a good pitcher. He's going to get paid and he deserves it. But I think teams should be wary before going out there and opening up the checkbooks. Not so much in average annual value. It's the amount of years. I would give this guy a two-year deal based off of what he's done this season. And, and expect over the year, his age 36 season, he's going to do well. Age 37 season, he's probably going to drop off a little bit. By the time he hits age 38, I don't think you're going to get enough out of him to justify that type of contract. On, on to Joaquin Benoit. And Joaquin Benoit is a guy who has had a lot of ups and downs in his career. Came up, of course, through the Texas Rangers organization. Bursted on the scene with a very good season. That, that, he, that he had with, with the Rangers, ends up going to the Tampa Bay Rays, puts up very good numbers, 
through the 2010 season and ends up becoming a free agent. The Detroit Tigers go out there and ink this guy to a three-year contract for $16.5 million. This year in 2013, 4-1, 191 ERA in 61 games, 22 saves, 61 in a third inning, 65 Ks. You're looking at very good numbers for Benoit, considering that he really hasn't been a closer prior to this season. The Detroit Tigers brought him in to be a setup man. Remember when he was first signed, the team had Jose Valverde. And remember two years ago, and we're talking 2011, um, <clears throat> Jose Valverde was one of the top closers in baseball. He didn't blow a save until the postseason. And he was the guy that the Tigers felt very comfortable giving a ball to and putting in a spot where he can go out there and, and get the save and knock those last three outs. Joaquin Benoit was a perfect setup man because he has closer type of stuff and essentially locks down the eighth inning. As the Tigers have gone on, uh, Valverde struggled last year, struggled to a point that the Tigers didn't want to bring him back this season. And it wasn't until the season had started, once the market had realized to vote Jose Valverde that he was not going to get a major league contract. The Detroit Tigers signed him to a minor league deal, let him work out his arm in the minors. Once his velocity was back, they brought him up to the major leagues, and it didn't work out. And the Tigers and Dave Dombrowski were right about Jose Valverde essentially not having that much left. And that's when the Tigers decided to go to Joaquin Benoit. And remember in the, in the offseason, we are talking about Bruce Rondon, the, the flamethrowing right-hander coming in there and maybe being the next Craig Kimbrell. We talked about guys like Octavio Dotel and Al Albuquerque, guys who could certainly pick up that role and become the closer. And you were wondering exactly what you, they were going to be able to do with it, and they decided to go with Benoit. And Benoit has taken the job and run with it at the absolute opportune time because he's hitting free agency. But similar to Balfour, he is 36 right now. Will be 36 coming into opening day next year. Will turn 37 July 26 of next season. So what is a team going to do when they give a guy like this a three-year contract and after the first season they're not getting the same pitcher. And I think that's something that they have to be concerned about. A lot of teams who are looking for a closer are going to have to consider that when signing either one of these guys. And I think Joaquin Benoit would be a very good signing for a lot of teams. You think of the New York Yankees, who obviously are going to need a closer. You look at some other teams that aren't sure about who their closer is going to be. Perhaps even the Pittsburgh Pirates coming off of a very good season. They got Jason Grilly. They got Melanson. Maybe they want to bring in one of these guys to kind of solidify the role. But there's a lot of teams that don't have that lockdown, shutdown closer. And I'm sure they would be interested in both of these guys. The only thing I have to say is just be a little wary. Be a little you know, understanding that these guys are aging at a point. And when you watch Mariano Rivera at age 40-plus you know, 40 going out there and shutting the door, it's no guarantee that any of these other pitchers are going to be able to do that. And you're going to see velocity diminish a little bit. You're going to see effectiveness diminish a little bit. You're going to see teams be able to hit a certain pitcher one year and not the next. Look at Francisco Rodney. He goes out there and was absolutely lights out for the Tampa Bay Rays this year. He gets himself a new contract. I don't think one thing had anything to do with the other, but it's just not that simple to go out there and be able to dominate for an extended period of time. That's why you look at a guy like Jonathan Papelbon, who has had his struggles with the Philadelphia Phillies this season, 
but what he has done over the last eight years needs to be commended. You look at guys like Kimbrell and Chapman and what they have done over the shorter term, the last couple of years, and what they could do going forward. Not too many other teams have that lockdown, shutdown guy in the back of the bullpen because it just doesn't, it, the consistency of it isn't there. You can't paint a guy. You know, you look at a guy like Brian Wilson, who looked like he was the next coming in regards to that type of reliever. Joe Nathan had a big arm injury. Both of these guys got hurt and had to get themselves back. Joe Nathan has gradually gotten himself back, has had a good year with the Texas Rangers, made the all-star team, the whole thing. But, you know, you would expect to see Brian Wilson kind of go through something similar, pitching the rest of the season with the Dodgers, hopefully getting a chance to throw in the postseason and maybe getting himself a similar type of deal to what Nathan got in the offseason. But i got to ask you this question. If you're a team that needs a closer, where would you rather go with it? Would you rather take a chance on Brian Wilson, who I think would take an incentive-laden contract, obviously a major league contract, but you know may take a one-year deal with an option with some incentives in it, or do you want to go with something that's proven from last year like a Balfour and a Benoit? Because these two guys have put up the numbers. Their odds are if you put them in your in the ninth inning of your game next season, you're going to get some good some good numbers. You're going to get the save numbers. You're going to get uh, a, a potential guy that could shut down the ninth inning for you. But at the same time, you may have to give up an extra year or two for a guy that's going up there in age. And I don't think that that makes the most sense for a team that wants to be fiscally responsible. I would rather take my chance on a guy like Brian Wilson I wouldn't go as far as saying, hey, let me bring in Brandon Lyon or Frank Francisco. I mean, these are guys that have proven that they cannot get the job done late in games and are getting up there in age. So so that's that's kind of a, a, a double negative there to something that's not going to work out if you want to if you want to go that route. Maybe if you're the Houston Astros or uh, another team that's not going anywhere that just needs somebody to go in there and get a chance. Maybe take a shot at it, but I would take a Brian Wilson over a Balfour or a Benoit just because I, I know I could probably get Wilson on a one-year contract with an option. And I don't know if it makes enough sense to pay Grant Balfour and Joaquin Benoit uh, for three years as they're hitting the age 36 season. John Piello, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Lots more to get into. We're going to take our first break. Be back with a lot more after this. <laughs> Are you searching for something different for your child's education? Consider Atlantic Christian School, where faith and quality education meet. Listen to what one of our students has to say about their experience at ACS. Atlantic Christian School is a place where teachers and students work together, creating a caring environment to learn and study based on the truth of the Word of God. Atlantic Christian is a wonderful school for your child to go to because the school has much to offer in training students to use their specific talents God has given them. This school may be small in size, but their heart makes it unique and loving to any student that wishes to attend. Come learn about our new lower tuition rates at our open house every Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 391 Zion Road in Egg Harbor Township. Or enroll today. Visit us on the web at acseht.org or call 653-1199. Atlantic Christian School, where character, Christ, and community count. MTR. Not sure what you want to eat? An omelet works anytime. How about a golden brown waffle with warm syrup? Augie's Omelet Waffle House and Grill is an Ocean City tradition since 1991. They're open year-round at 9th Street and Atlantic Avenues, just steps off the famous Ocean City boardwalk. Augie serves an affordable and expansive breakfast, lunch, 
seniors and kids menu all day long. They know how to put a happy smile on everyone's face. Visit our website at augiesocnj.com or give us a call 609-391-0222. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and come visit us in person at 9th Street and Atlantic Avenues just steps off the famous Ocean City Boardwalk. Also visit Augie's Doggies in Smithville, 609-391-0222 and augiesocnj.com. More than omelets, breakfast, and brunch, it's happiness served on a platter. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Of course, a reminder, tweet at me, at John underscore Pielli. Anything you want to talk about, we're going to get into our first interview of the day. And I had a chance to speak with former Major League outfielder, first baseman Willie Montanez. And Willie was known for kind of having a little bit of a bravado, a little bit of slowing things down, making things look easy, go to catch a ball, kind of snap his arm down, a la Ricky Henderson later on. Of course, he played in the 60s and the 70s and the early part of the 80s and would trot around the bases and take his time. And, you know, had a very good career, a couple 30 home run seasons uh, with the Phillies and with the Mets and with the Braves and the San Francisco Giants. He had a very good career. So hopefully you guys enjoyed his spot. Former Major League outfielder, first baseman, Willie Montanez. I'm going to apologize in advance for this interview not being 100% clear, but I think you get a gist of everything that Willie says. Hopefully you guys enjoy this spot. This is John Pielli. I'm here with former Major League First Baseman Willie Montanez. Willie, what's going on, man? Everything's all right. Yeah, that's cool, man. Of course, you had a, you know, had a nice playing career. You had a chance to play with with several different teams. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the beginning, you getting started, and your first your first feel of what it was like to be in the Major Leagues. Everything has started, uh, and uh, I'm coming up to the field. I'm coming up to the field in Philadelphia, and uh, I was signed by Don Rose Cardinal. And uh, the first thing report, Don Rose gave Philadelphia a list of players, and they picked me. So give me a cup of break from the uh,
Yeah, tell you, tell you, it must have, it must have been a good feeling to, uh, you know, of course that Kerf Flood situation was, of course, revolutionary for baseball and the sacrifice he ended up making for, you know, which ended up ending the reserve clause. It must have been, it felt pretty good to be, you know, kind of comparable in a way to to Kerf Flood and in, in, in how you were just substituted for him in the deal after he refused to report it. Yeah, 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 it was, it was great.
uh, you end up with the Mets, you know, in 1978, and then with Texas in '79. Uh, what what was what was going through your mind through that time? Because it had it had to be tough for you, because you know you establish yourself for several years with the Phillies, and you know you get traded for the first time. I'm sure you probably thought you were going to stay in San Francisco for a while, and then you end up in Atlanta. You know, you thought you were going to be in Atlanta with a while, for a while. You ended up with the Mets, and then you end up with the Rangers. So how were how were you, you able to cope with? You know, it seems like every year, every other year, you were getting traded at that point. Yeah, yeah, you were able to you were able that time. And uh, my first time, when I went to San Francisco, uh, that was bad, that was bad. Uh, and then, you know what I'm saying, I was getting, going to get to know my teammates, and really get to know the guys, uh, and then, you know, and then they all played. Uh, I said, yeah, I don't know that, but I got traded. It's all about you want me. I didn't really like it there. I I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I I consistent was your production. You know, really started in 75, and obviously you had a couple good years before that, but 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, you, you continued to put up very good numbers regardless of where you were playing. And a couple of those seasons obviously were split between two teams, but it didn't it didn't seem to stop you in regards to your performance on the field. Uh, you know, was, was there anything that, that you, were, you were focused on which allowed you to maintain success throughout that time, play for so many different teams? Yeah, once again, John Pielli here with Willie Montagna. Now, one thing that was 
uh, very interesting about your career was a little bit about you know your style of play. You know, you, you had uh, you know though, though you were able to put up very good numbers, you had a very casual style to you. You know, you'd hit a home run, you'd kind of take your time trotting around the bases, and you know it was it was it was kind of like a relaxed feeling that you kind of gave towards you know to to people that, that followed you. Tell us a little bit about your style and you know why you chose about to go around that route. Yeah. 
to speak with Willie Montanez and of course you know known for kind of just jogging around the bases taking his time and I think that's something that you know kind of gets missed in the game today because if you look at what happened before yes you know Willie you know admits that some guys ended up hitting them they would throw at them eventually they'd get over it and now Major League Baseball there's so much stuff put into oh my god you're showing me up you know, go out there and enjoy yourself and play the game. I mean, stop taking offense to every little thing going on. You heard me last week talk about the Jose Fernandez thing and the Braves players, Chris Johnson getting all offended. You know, you know, stop it already. Just go play the game. Yes, it's supposed to be serious, but go out there and have a good time. And these teams need to stop getting so offended. And I mean, if you see me, if you know me outside of you know, the past ball show, you know you know that a guy I'm a guy that doesn't really agree with the whole being offended thing. Just grow up and just play the game because it is it is a kid's game. These people get paid millions and millions of dollars now to play a kid's game. They should at least have fun while they do it. Well, once again, John Pielli, past ball show, MTR Radio Network. We're gonna take a break, finish up this hour. After this. I'm Karen Siaska-Zeltman from Italian Hour. When my car needs service, I take it to Jonathan's Complete Car Care. Jonathan's Complete Car Care is the best for auto repairs, tires, diagnostics, and tune-ups. You can depend on Jonathan's for the best service at prices you can afford. Give Jonathan's Complete Car Care a call. 609-601-6460. They work hard to give you the service you need. Jonathan's Complete Car Care works with many vehicles, including Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Audi. Make Jonathan's Complete Car Care the company you keep. 609-601-6460. Call today for a free estimate or visit. Find us on the web at jonathanscompletecarcare.com and like us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. Listening to MTR Radio, powered by MTRmedia.com. This is Lady E, one of the many broadcasters at MTR Radio. If you're listening to MTRradio.com, fantastic. Que bueno. But if you want to take us with you, we have an app for your smartphone that lets you listen to us 24-7. 
Just go to Google Play on your Android device or the iPhone App Store and download our app, MTR Radio. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. As we get past the season of Major League Baseball, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak with a lot more current players and players that are currently on Major League teams, also players coming up through the minor league system. It only makes sense that way. I mean, these players are playing through six months of the season, finally get some time off, and finally they'll have a little more of an opportunity to speak with. So, you know, without further ado, here's an interview I recorded with a prospect in a Kansas City Royals organization, an outfielder by the name of Ethan Chapman, and he was taken in the 30th round of the 2011 draft. He's a speedy outfielder, plays some good defense in center field, and we get in a lot of different things. We talk about a couple other prospects going up at the same time and being teammates with Ethan. So, hopefully you guys enjoy this spot with with an outfielder in the Kansas City Royals farm system. Ethan Chapman. Good afternoon, this is John Pielli. I'm here with a uh, prospect in the Kansas City Royals organization, Ethan Chapman. Ethan, what's going on, man? Thanks for having a couple minutes today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Of course, uh, Ethan, you were drafted in the 30th round of the 2012 draft by the Royals, so only a couple of years of professional baseball. Uh, first of all, what did it feel like to be drafted, and you know, how's your experience going so far in professional baseball? It's just a, it's a crazy process, you know, just to go through and, you know, be lucky enough to have conversations with scouts and have other teams interested. It's definitely a dream come true. And when you have your, uh, when you have your name finally called, it's just such a, a relief and a blessing to be a part of. And, uh, you know, the Royals are a great organization to take a chance on me. And, uh, you know, I was able to play the last year and a half with them and, you know, hopefully I can make it to the big leagues with them. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, of course, you got the very good start in uh, Idaho Falls in the Rookie League. Uh, you were named, I guess, the Player of the Year for that team as, as part of the Kansas City Royals Organizational Awards. Tell us a little bit about your, you know, your rookie season. You know, you're able to go out there, you stole 25 bases, you, you know, you had nine triples. It looked like, you, you know, you, you established yourself as a, as a defensive outfielder, a guy with a little speed. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really know what to expect going out there, you know, so... It was just to go out there and, you know, use the tools that got me drafted and, you know, lucky enough I was able to have a good season. And the, the play of the year thing that the Royals put on is just such a great program that they do. You know, they fly us out to Kansas City for a game. You know, they do everything first class. They have us pick up in a, in a town car and, uh, you know, they really show us a good time to go to see uh, children's hospitals, visit people in the, you know, that are patients in the hospital. We, uh, go view the Negro League Museum, you know, get a little education there, and then we get our award on the field during the game. So it's just a great experience that they, they put on themselves and uh, are learning to be part of it. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. I tell you, you know, you look at the other aspects of things and just take it aside from, from baseball for a second. Obviously, you know, you you know, you, you, you look at the experience and what it does and all the different things you get to see. You know, what, 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 what does that, you know, stuff like that mean to you? 
You know, coming into this season, you had a chance to travel a little bit, you know, to Lexington and the Wilmington, you know, moving up the system with the Kansas City Royals. You know, tell us a little bit about your season this year and what kind of adjustments you had to make from going, you know, to the South Atlantic League and then to high A ball. Uh, for me, with uh, just low A, it was uh, kind of pretty hard. I feel like every starter was throwing at least 96. You know, guys, they were pretty much younger guys that came in just trying to throw gas. You know, and then when I got called up, it was more about guys that were like 92 to 94, but everything had a little bit more movement. You know, they were pitches a little bit more refined, and they were just a little bit older. You know, so their skills just developed a little bit more. So that's how I feel like it's going to go the rest of the way up. You know, guys are just going to get a little bit better in certain areas, and, you know, hopefully I can make those adjustments as well. Once again, this is John Pielli. I'm here with Kansas City Royals outfield prospect, Ethan Chapman. Now, Ethan, you know, as, you, as you're coming up, you know, you get, of course, a chance to play, you know, in rookie ball and a couple different leagues you're in this year. You get a chance to play with, you know, a group of younger players that are, some of them are going through similar situations than you, some of them maybe a couple years older, a couple years younger. Uh, how, does, how, how, do you, how do you make adjustments playing with, you know, let's say different players at different levels. Somebody may be a little more advanced. Somebody may not be advanced. Maybe as a center fielder, you got to, you know, you, you got to, you know, be more of a, a, a patrol leader in center field to, like, you know, direct guys a little better. Any any key adjustments that you got to make based on the different players that you're playing with? Yeah, well, for me, it was just, like, I just give huge respect to the guys that are going to high school because they, uh, you know, they're – they're going through a lot of different things at a certain age that I, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to handle at that age. So it's like, my respect for them, that they're able to do that and sit around and play every day and, and uh, put up good numbers, you know, because I can't imagine how tough that would be. But for me, it was just like, never to play down, you know, always try to get better and push guys to be better also, you know. Like, if you're out there working hard, that pushes someone else to work even harder than you, you know, and the whole organization gets better that way. So for me, that was just the the way I was raised, you know, was always to push myself and to push others. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, John Pielli with Ethan Chapman here. Now, you know, as you, as you, you know, describe your game, you know, what you, do you think if you're based on your stats, you would say, you'd see a guy that, you know, kind of runs the bases well, is going to be a threat on the bases. Is, is that more of your game? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, the, the, the Royal Senior, well, the Senior, the, you know, lead-off hitter, maybe a two-hole hitter, that gets on base, you know, to try to you're doing now, you know, now you talked off air a little bit about, you know, the season's over now, you know, what what are you, what are you working on now to get ready for next season? Well, right now they have me in Arizona for our uh, instructional league, so we're going to be in our band instructional league, 
show in the regular. This year I'm in the advanced. And what they do here is just they, you know, they take a few things out about your game. They feel like that you can get better at it. It's one-on-one instruction with uh, our rovers or guys that are, have so much big league time and knowledge to pass down. So it's a little more to relax and uh, focus on certain tools that you want to work on. You know, it's not so much about going three for four every day and getting the W in the game. It's sort of like about, you know, for me, working on bunting or my leads at first to get better jumps with all my steals, you know, and I don't really care if I get picked off. It's about pushing myself to see how far the lead I can get and, you know, it's just adding to my tools. So it's a good experience to be a part of. And uh, after this, I get some time off to go home and just relax and uh, and get ready for next year. Yeah, very true, man. Now, you know, I know, I know you're you're a young player, just kind of coming into your own. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. It's kind of get get a little scouting perspective of you. A couple guys are going through the royal system that you had a chance to play with. First, what's your what's your opinion of what you see out of Bubba Starling, uh, former first round draft pick, number five overall in 2011? Yeah, Bubba's a great guy. He's definitely a five tool player. Yeah, he's uh, he's young, but he's his game is definitely maturing, you know, to be able to, uh, to learn more about himself and, you know, it's up to this pitching that he's seeing here, and uh, he's going to get a star for many years to come, and you know, he's definitely got what it takes to make it. How about uh, Raul Mondesi? Raul is what I, he's one of the guys that I was, I think about what I said earlier about not respect for guys that come out and play professional ball at such a young age. Yeah, he signed at 16, and uh, he actually was on my team in, in rookie ball. And the way he just carried himself and and uh, the way he played, he didn't act like he was 16 years old, you know. So it was good to, uh, to be a part of uh, part of his game and see his play and all that. So he's, he's definitely going to be a big-time guy when he gets to the degree. Now, did you get a chance to play at all with Hunter Dozier, the third-base prospect that was drafted this year? No, when he uh, he got called up to Lexington, I, I was already in Wilmington, so I wasn't able to uh, play with him. But all he is good things. He has a good person and a good player. So uh, I think he's actually going to be here in instruction. Week, so hopefully I'll get a chance to hang out with him and play with him and see uh, you know, what kind of guy he is. Now, now, last question. What, what do you, you know, as you're coming up, you know, you, you're, you're in rookie ball, you move up to low A to high A, you know, eventually you'll be in double A and triple A. Uh, you're going to get a chance for a, a better part of it to probably play with the same players, maybe not the same exact players, maybe different players at different levels. How much, from your opinion, do you think, uh, you know, building a rapport or relationship with, with the younger guys that are kind of going through the same thing at U.S.? Oh, it's, it's awesome. Like, to be able to play with these guys for years to come, that's the goal. You know, we all hope to be on the 25-man roster for the Kansas City Royals sometimes then, you know. So, us working together and understanding each other's games and how we go about playing, you know, just it makes us better as a team. You know, the longer we play together, the more we understand each other and uh, we can feed off each other's games. So, that's only going to lead into more victories for us. No question. Listen, Ethan, great stuff, Dad. I wish you the best of luck in everything you're going through and hope to see you up at the major league, so. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Great spot there with an outfielder in the Kansas City Royals farm system and obviously wish him the best of luck. And we can talk about it a little later once this guy reaches the major leagues. I think he's got a lot of talent and is going to be a pretty good player. So we'll see how it turns out. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Thank you to Willie Montanez. Thank you to Ethan Chapman. Back with a whole nother hour.
after this. <laughs> 